Well, good morning, Countryside family. How's everybody feeling today? Awesome, awesome. Well, before we get into the message today, I just want to welcome all those that are watching online right now. You may not know this, but we have tons of people, not just in the Tampa Bay community, but around America and really around the world that tune in every single week to worship. And this community that has been built is amazing. I get, the, I get the joy of hosting sometimes, and it's so cool how on Facebook and through our app, people are praying for each other. They're welcoming each other. They are having church right now. So online community, we love you. You are so important to us. Let's welcome all those that are watching online right now. Also, if this is your first time here at Countryside, I just want to say welcome. We have a saying here, you are only a guest one time. Now, next week when you come back, you are going to be a part of our family. It doesn't matter where you've been in your life. It doesn't matter the things that you've done. We believe that God has brought you here for a reason. It's to experience him. It's to know the calling that he's put on your life. And it's to make his name famous wherever you go, not just here in this church. Here... You belong, you matter, and there's a place for you. So welcome, first-time guests. We're so glad that you are with us today. So for the last five weeks, we have been in a message series that is called Too Afraid to Ask. And in this message series, we've been asking some pretty difficult questions. If we're honest with ourselves, there's times in our walk with God where we have questions. God, why would you allow this thing to take place in my life? Why, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? I, I don't understand this. So in this, in this series, honestly, we're being really vulnerable. We're being really honest. So if you've missed any of the weeks, I encourage you to go back on YouTube, go on our Facebook and watch the messages um, because I promise you it'll encourage you, it'll change your life, and it'll build your faith in Jesus Christ. Now today's message um, the enemy does not want you to hear this message. I want you to know that. As I was preparing, sometimes when you're a pastor and you're about to share a message that you know the Holy Spirit is gonna use to, to expand his kingdom, he do, the enemy does not want you to hear this today. It's been, it's been a tough week for, for me and my life, very stressful, lots of different things going on, but I want you to know God wins. And today you're gonna hear a message and I believe with all of my heart, it is going to change your life. I wanna read a verse starting off in this message today. It's a verse, if you grew up in the church, you, you probably heard it a lot of times. Um, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you've probably heard this verse once or twice before. But my goal today is that you hear this verse in a new way. Sometimes we hear these verses all the time and it's just like one ear out the other, but this verse holds weight. This verse, there is so much magnitude behind this verse. So what I'm gonna ask you to do, just while I read this verse, just to focus not on my words, but the words of God. If you can close your eyes while I read this. This is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The weight behind that. You can open your eyes. You know, growing up in church, 
I heard this a lot from Pastor Lloyd. I heard it a lot from Pastor Glenn. I knew God loved the world. We talked about it every single week. I knew God loved the world. But for me, I was unsure if God loved me. Can you relate to that? Maybe you're in here today and you're like, how could, how could God love me? Maybe there's been a time in your life where you've questioned, how could God actually love me? How could God love me after everything that I've done, the sins that I've done, the mistakes I've made, the things that I've said, the things that I've thought, how could God love someone like me? The things that I've done, the people that I've hurt. Today, we want to try to answer that question. The title of today's message is, Does God Love Me? Would you guys just bow your heads and pray right now? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that everybody who is here, everyone who is watching online, God, that you open our ears and our hearts to receive and to hear from you, God. I pray, God, that if anybody is in here or watching that has ever questioned if you love them, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will make it crystal clear to them, God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will be with us in this message today. God, get me out of the way, Lord, and speak through me. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Look to the person next to you and say, you are the one that Jesus loves. All right, now look at the other person you didn't look at and say, hey, Jesus loves you too, even though you weren't my first choice. <laughs> um, now, if, if you aren't sure of God's love for you, it's likely because you're thinking of the wrong kind of love. Now, there are several types of love that we've talked about in this church, many different types of love that we could talk about today. But for the sake of today's message, I'm going to talk about two different types of love. Now, the first type of love is a love that loves because the object is valuable. This right here, this is the most common type of love. We all know this type of love very, very well. Something is valuable. We worked for it. We worked hard for it. We obtained this valuable thing and we love it. Let me give you a few examples. Maybe you worked really, really hard. You wanted to, to redo your kitchen. So every day when you walk into your newly renovated kitchen while you're cooking your eggs and your grits and your bacon, you look at your countertops and you think, man, I love my countertops. They're beautiful. I worked hard for them. Maybe it's like a, it's like a baseball card collection. Whereas a kid, you would go to garage sales and, and look for baseball cards. And every single birthday growing up, you would ask for, for baseball cards. Now you have this collection that's valuable. It's important to you. Maybe, maybe it even costs a lot of money. Maybe it's your 85-inch TV where it is just beautiful. The football game you watch on, it is crystal clear. You sit back, you look, and you think to yourself, man, I really should have gotten that 95-inch TV. It looks a little small on my wall. But then we say, you know what? It's, it's good for family time. I get to sit next to my wife and watch the football game. That's not quality time, okay? She don't want to watch that game. Maybe something that's valuable to you is the outfits that you wear. And, and wherever you go, people are like, man, you look, so, you look so spiffy all the time. The purse that you have, and, and you just love the clothes that you have. Maybe 
It's that car that has those heated seats that you get to turn on twice a year. But I'll tell you what, those two times a year when you turn it on, you're like, I'm glad I spent that extra five grand on that, on that XLT package. But that's this type of love. It's a love that loves because the object is valuable. My problem was is I, I never felt valuable. I never felt worthy. I never felt like I measured up to my own expectations, let alone the expectations of a perfect God. But there's another kind of love, a love that loves and gives value to that object. It gives value to that object. I wanna give you an example and, and just take a moment. What I want you to do is think about your favorite childhood toy. Maybe it was even a blankie. Maybe it was a bear. Maybe it was a sheep or a monkey. But can you think of that toy? Can you visualize that? I can promise you two things. The first thing is, is I bet you named that toy. Did you name that toy? Yeah. Now, the second thing that I can promise you is it probably wasn't perfect. If it was anything like mine, the, your toy was probably flawed. There may have been a hole in it or, or tear or blemished or, or discolored. Um, and if it was anything like mine, it probably smelled a little bit because I took that thing with me everywhere. Can you visualize that toy? Mine was Simba. Okay. Now, I was very young when the Lion King came out and revival broke out in my house. Okay. Everywhere I went, I'm singing, oh, I just can't wait to be king. No one's saying, do this. No one's saying, stop that. No one's saying, see here. Because I, I just loved, except my dad. He, he would tell me that sometimes. But it was, it, was, it was incredible. I actually had a birthday cake right here. This is me and my sister who just got married. This is a Lion King cake. This, the, the quality back then, it was just not good. But there's Simba, we've got Timon, we've got Pumbaa, and we've got a Lion King cake. But on that birthday, I received a beautiful gift. It was Simba, okay? And I have a picture of Simba as well right there. That is not actually me. That's my younger sister. She stole it from me when she was a baby. But um, I got it back eventually. But um, Simba was extremely valuable to me. But here's the thing. There wasn't anything valuable about this toy. It wasn't expensive. Knowing my dad, he probably went to Walmart and went to the clearance rack, put that underneath his arm and say, this'll do. That'll do. It, it wasn't a collector's item. It, it didn't do any tricks. The toys today, my kids, they, they, you touch a button, you touch their hand, you touch their foot. It, it says things like, I love you, and it's like weird. I don't, I don't get it. I don't really like it. But, but this, this toy, this Simba, if I put him out of a garage sale, I probably wouldn't even get a quarter for him. But I loved Simba. The crazy thing is, is I still have Simba today. And he's here with us right now. So here is Simba. He's beautiful. I love Simba to this day. Now, here's the thing about Simba. This thing is torn up. It used to have a tail. Gone. It, 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 is, it, it used to be so soft, and, and now it's kind of like matted. It's, it's not what it used to be. The Velcro on this little thing works sometimes. I don't know how that works. Um, it used to be a beautiful yellow color. 
and now it's kind of faded, but I don't care. Simba is valuable to me, not because of how he looks, not because of what you think about Simba. I love Simba because he's mine. This is my Simba. Yes, I'm almost 30 years old and I still have my toy as a child. I don't care what you think. I do not care. I love Simba. I remember when, when I first got married, I, I moved out of my parents' house and, and you know, and I found him and it was, I was so excited. I brought him home to, to my new wife and I was like, honey, I think I'm gonna start sleeping with Simba again. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, don't you bring that nasty thing in here. She gave me a choice. You can, you can sleep with Simba or you can sleep with me. So I put Simba back into a closet. Um, but she would joke around and say, listen, you're, you're lying. Your Simba is a ragdoll. But I love my ragdoll. Now, I know this is, this is a silly example, but what I want you to understand is this is how God loves us. All we are is a bunch of ragdolls. We're flawed we're wounded, we're broken. There's nothing hidden from God. He knows about all your flaws. He knows about all your scars. He knows about the stuff that you keep hidden inside. You're nothing but a ragdoll, but you're God's ragdoll. How do we know how much God loves us? He shows us. This is Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While you and I, while we were still sinners, while we were still ragdolls, disobeying and breaking the heart of God, he still displayed his love for us. While we were still sinning, Christ died for us. I want you to hear this in a new way today. God's love for you is an unconditional, immeasurable love. It's not the kind of love that looks for, for what's worthy in an object, but it's the kind of love that gives worth and value to that object. God's love, God doesn't love you because you're worthy, because we're not, but God's love makes you worthy. God's love makes you worthy. So how do we determine how valuable we are? In our culture, everything has a price to determine how valuable something is. You can look at the housing market. It is unbelievable. How valuable is that house? You know, six months ago, it, it was a little bit cheaper, but now it is just going insane. People list a house and it goes for $50,000 more than what it's listed at. There's these battles. It is crazy. So how valuable is a house? How much is someone willing to pay? You can look at your phone. Everybody's, just about everybody's got an iPhone or, or a smartphone, a little computer in your back pocket. How valuable is that? It's like $1,000. It's crazy. But we pay it because we value that, right? We put the value on and we say, you know what? I'll pay the price for that. Or maybe even shoes. You know, there's, there's lots of different types of shoes. You can get a great pair of Skechers for like 40, 50 bucks. It's a great pair of shoes. Or you could be like, you know what? I wanna get a pair of Jordans or a pair of Yeezys and, and you can spend as much as you want. Why would you buy that? It's because it's valuable to you. I'm gonna pay the price. So how valuable are you? You have to look at the price that was paid for you. 
God gave the most valuable thing that he had. The son of God, Jesus, the perfect lamb to die in our place. He died in my place just so we could have the opportunity to receive eternal life, to receive forgiveness, to receive mercy. Love isn't just an action or or something that Jesus does. Love is the essence of who Jesus is. God is love. 1 John 4, 8 through 10, it says, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. To me, that's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible but it's, what makes it even more powerful is when you understand who wrote that verse. So let's do a little Bible trivia. Who wrote 1 John? You can just say it out loud. It's not a trick question. It's John, okay? It's John. So John, he had a brother named James. Both of them were disciples, um, but these two guys, they were not disciple material. They were brash, they were rough, they cussed, they were fishermen, and they had a reputation. They had a nickname, okay? And it wasn't the two gentle lambs or, or, or the two Bible brothers or, or the Bible thumpers. Their nickname was known as the Sons of Thunder. When I hear that, I think of like a biker gang with like Harleys and like a bunch of leather um, but if I had a brother, I would, I would like that to be my nickname too. Now here's the thing, we're not sure exactly why they received this name. I could only imagine what it took to earn a title like that, but we got a glimpse of why they were called the Sons of Thunder in Luke chapter nine. Luke tells us that Jesus is going into this Samaritan village and the people weren't very kind and welcoming to him. Well, lucky for Jesus, the Sons of Thunder were there. Okay, And the Sons of Thunder didn't come around and say, you know what, let's, let's invite them to our small group. Let's invite them over for dinner tonight and break some bread. Um, no, very, very different. In, in Luke 9, 54, when the disciples James and John saw this, when they saw how they were treating Jesus, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> Those guys are crazy, man. That, that's the Sons of thunder. John's whole life, he didn't just start a fight, he finished them. I could see John in, in today's world at like a soccer game, being that crazy dad that gets kicked out of the game. Everybody knows that dad. You're like, what is wrong with this guy? It's just a third grade soccer match. But that's John, he found himself in trouble. But then he started spending time with Jesus. In every moment, of every day, even though John did nothing to earn this, he, he didn't do anything to work hard enough for this, simply Jesus loved John. I don't know exactly when this happened, it probably took some time, but John's identity began to change. How do we know that? Because John started calling himself by a different name. 
Three times in his gospel, John referred to himself as the one that Jesus loved. No longer was he one of the sons of thunder. No longer was he John the hothead or, or John the screw up, but he was John, the one Jesus loved. And I truly believe that, that God has sent me here today to tell someone this, that no matter what your parents said about you, no matter what someone did to you, no matter what your, how your friend made you feel, no matter what you did, no matter what you didn't do, no matter what you said, you are the one Jesus loves. You, me. I don't want you to just hear that today, but my goal is for you to understand this love. Because when you begin to understand this love, just like John, it'll change your identity too. I remember when, when I first really, really knew that God loved me. I was probably 19 or 20. My life changed forever. When I knew his love for me, I didn't wanna be that person that I used to be. I didn't talk the same, I didn't, I didn't look the same, I didn't do the things that I used to do. I would run into people from high school sometimes and they'd be like, who are you? I'm like, listen, that person you knew in high school, I'm, first off, I'm sorry. But second off, I am a new person. The old Andrew that I used to be is gone and there's a new creation here. The Bible, they refer to Jesus as the good shepherd. The good shepherd, he lays down his life for his sheep. We are his sheep. And if the good shepherd, if he has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what does he do? He will leave the 99 to follow the missing one because he loves the missing one. Maybe you feel like that's you. Maybe you feel like you've been the one who's wandered away. Maybe you, you, you don't even feel like you know God or, or ever had an experience with him. I want you to know the reason why you're here today is by the grace of God, to understand his love for you. We don't just come in here to see lights and, and hear good music. We come here to experience God's presence. And that presence is available to you every single day. You are the one Jesus loves. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter the shame that you carry, the regrets that you have. You are the one. What I want everybody to do is just repeat this after me and feel this from God. Everyone, let's just say, I am the one Jesus loves. Let's say it one more time. I am the one Jesus loves. That right there, that's not a statement of pride. That right there is a statement of truth. That's how good our God is. That's how good he is. And his presence is here right now. Now the thing with God, he didn't just shout his love from heaven, say, I love you. No, he showed his love. The Virgin Mary gave birth to a son. They called him Jesus. Why? Because Jesus means savior, because he would be the one who would take away the sins of this world. 
Now the word sin is not very popular in today's culture, but sin is simply missing the mark, coming up short. I have missed the mark. Every single person in this room has missed the mark. And the reason a lot of us don't feel worthy of God's love is because of the sin in our life. But God's love is a different kind of love. It's not a love that loves because the object is valuable because it's not. But it's a love that loves and gives value to the one it loves. I want you to hear that today. I want you to believe that you are the one. Despite your past, despite your shortcomings, despite your regrets, you are the one Jesus loves. Romans 8, 38 through 39, it says that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. He's chasing after you. He's chasing after you in this moment right now. The word love, it's so watered down in our culture today. We can say, I love pizza. I love, I love football. I love, I love my shoes. And, and it, this word in today's culture, it, there isn't much substance to this word. People will tell us, man, I love you but then they don't follow through on the promises. People fail us over and over and over and they never prove their love. Jesus proved his love for you on the cross. That should have been me on that cross. That should have been you on that cross. That should have been me. But what he did is he came in our place he took the sins of the world on his back, our past, our present, and our future sins, and he bore them all for us. He died a criminal's death just for the opportunity to, for you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Now, here's the thing about Christ. He didn't just die. He rose three days later, and that fulfilled the prophecy to prove that I am the Messiah. If you're in here today and you say, you know what, I've, I've never felt God's love before. I didn't even know that God loved me. I'm here today to tell you, he does. You are valuable. God gave his one and only son for you. I'm not worthy, but his love makes me worthy. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if you're in here today and you say, you know what, I, I, wanna, I wanna dedicate my life to God. I'll, I don't wanna be the same person that I walked in here today. I, I want to start a new life with God. I wanna turn away from the things I used to do and start a new life with him. If, if that's you in here today, what I'm gonna ask you to do is I wanna pray for you. So I'm gonna ask you to just to raise your hand right now on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. For the sake of all those that just raise their hands, will you just repeat this prayer after me? 
Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Create in me a new heart. I recognize my need for you. And I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart. Today, I declare that you are my God, my Savior, and my best friend. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Let's, let's give it up for the people that just received Jesus right now. The Bible says when just one person receives Jesus, they're having a party up in heaven. So let's have a party right now. Man, God is good. I want, I want you to know, if you just raise your hand, this is just the beginning of what God wants to do in your life. There are so many things that God wants to do through you. Thank you, Countryside. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Thank you, Simba. Would you stand with me now? And I'd like to invite the altar prayer team to come to the altar. And if after we dismiss and I say my blessing over you, if you'd like prayer for any reason, the altar prayer team is here to serve you. And if you raised your hand to dedicate yourself to Jesus for the first time, ask him to be your Lord and Savior, we have a free book for you called A Fresh Start with God. And these altar prayer team members would be happy to give that to you. So... To receive your blessing now, would you just lift up your hearts or turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving? May you be blessed with the knowledge of just how much God loves you, how valuable you are to him, what he gave for you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before you leave, please stop in the North Lobby and check out those tables. Join the team, lots of places to serve. Also, we may not have the police detail today. If that's the case, please don't turn left on McMullen Booth. Just turn right, and then you can make a U-turn at one of the lights. I love you, church. God bless you. <laughs>